Hello listeners, my name is Jordan. Um, welcome to the first episode of the Medicine Path podcast. A podcast where we'll discuss holistic, spiritual, traditional, contemporary teachings and understandings of medicine, esotericism, mysticism, ethnobotanicals, entheogens, mythology, and the con- controversially dubbed shamanism, and why that's controversial and why I don't use that word, even though um, many people... Uh, use that word to describe me and the work that I do. Um, So just a little bit about myself to start with, and then we'll get into what is medicine, what's the what's the podcast really about, what's the foundation that I'm coming from with with talking about the medicine path. And then if there's time after that, I'll uh, I'll include a short story um, just from growing up and working with the medicines uh, as a youth. So, um, who am I? Uh, I'm I'm multicultural. I'm from the First Nations of Turtle Island. I'm from the Anishinaabe Nation. From the Ojibwe tribe, I'm Turtle Clan and Bear Clan. Though it's not common to have two clans or to acknowledge more than one clan. These are family units. Um, So, I come from two different clans because I'm from more than one tribe. Um, Anyway, yeah, Turtle Clan and Bear Clan. Um, I'm also Caucasian. Um, my Caucasian side is mostly Northern European heritage. Um, both of my parents are mixed blood. They've got Mohawk blood that I don't know much about, Cherokee blood that I don't know much about. But I very much wish I had the opportunity to learn more and connect with those sides. I grew up Ojibwe on a federal reservation in Michigan. On the European side, I don't know a whole lot either. Um, just things that I've read and things that I've connected to. I've not, not lived in European culture very much, but um, my European side is Norwegian, Dutch, Danish, Scottish, and French, pretty mixed. Um, I grew up Ojibwe though, and despite not only being Ojibwe, I'm not part Indian, nor am I part white. I simply am all of those things, and I'm very proud of who I am and where I come from. So uh, the measurement of blood quantum and stuff like that's not a traditional thing, it's a colonized thinking, and it's a systemic way of breeding indigenous people into extinction. Traditional people who know who we are don't play those games. We just know who we are. We are who we are. How you live is a big part of that. Anyway, including this uh, little bit of information about myself gives you guys the opportunity, hopefully, to see a little bit of who I am and the ancestors that guide me. I was taught that it's important to begin everything with introducing your ancestors. It's sort of a protocol greeting. So uh, on the Canadian side of the colonial border, they would call my family Métis. On the U.S. side, at least in Michigan, they don't really call us Métis. They just either call us Native or non-Native, um, Ojibwe or not Ojibwe. Um, so most of the time, our fair skin kind of got us treated like we were on the res by mistake. So uh, I don't identify as Métis because as I see it, I'm, I'm not uh, just not Métis. I'm Anishinaabe and I'm European. I'm both of those things. I'm not part of anything. I'm a whole person. So, uh, anyway, as I said, I grew up on the res, pretty stereotypical, poor side of the reservation, with HUD housing, no money, uh, drug and alcohol abuse and addiction all around. Um, but, you know, there was, that was one side of the res, and then the other side is the traditional community and, you know, the, the good things. So, you know, it wasn't all bad. Um, I spent most of my time either at the cultural center, in the woods, in the swamp, or, or at my grandpa's house. 
most of the time I was just trying to be better, to be of service, to be connected to my people, um, to learn who I was. I was usually with the elders, learning to keep the sacred fire, to hold the door in the sweat lodge, cutting firewood for the sweat lodge or for the elders' fireplaces, shoveling snow from their driveways, just for a chance to learn, to, to connect with, you know, who I am, who my ancestors are. Um, so uh, eventually me learning about the medicines around the lodge and, and helping to gather those medicines for the sweat lodge um, turned into me helping gather medicines for a few, few medicine people, a few people who work with traditional medicines on a deeper level. And um, yeah, I had I had um, several teachers from different tribes who taught me about medicines. Being a federal Indian reservation, there were, there were people from lots of different tribes on our res. And uh, one of, one of those teachers that uh, taught me quite a lot um, that was Auntie Maria. So Auntie Maria was from Mexico, and um, she was from. Azteca, Tolteca, and Chichimeca lineages, and she taught me a great deal. She taught me that if I learned everything on the planet, it would fall out one ear just as fast as it came in. She taught me that no one can know everything, and that most people forget faster than they can learn. She was the first person who showed me the importance of knowing how to learn from the medicines themselves, how to listen to the medicine, how to actually connect with the medicine and learn from the medicine. Later on, that became more and more important. And it helped me to understand other people who worked with the medicines in a deeper way with more experience than I had, and probably than I still have. So, um, yeah, later, if I, if I have time, I'll include a story. Um, for now, uh, I suppose that's enough about me. Um, so what's the podcast about? What is medicine? So when I say the medicine path, what is medicine? So I need to explain that I'm not talking about Western medicine. I'm not talking about pharmaceuticals. I'm not talking about plant and fungi medicines. I'm talking about the deeper aspects to health and healing, holistically. From my own perspective as a multicultural person, heavily influenced by my First Nations side, teachers from multiple traditions and what many medicines have taught me themselves. So this is not a Native American podcast. No, I am a Native American person. Uh, this is not a Native American podcast. This is me talking about my experience and my understandings but yes my my roots are are native american my roots are ojibwe um you know i've traveled far and wide and uh anyway yeah so i'm, I'm not uh, not creating a native american podcast here um, so this is about medicine uh on a on a bigger scale than just one culture so um when i say medicine um, I'm using the word incorrectly by the dictionary definition. In the community that I grew up in, medicine is anything that has the power to create change for good or bad, at least amongst the, the, the elders that I was around. Good medicine is used for healing, bad medicine is used for harm. All medicine is treated as conscious and treated with the respect of an elder. Now, um, there are several different creation stories and versions of the same story focusing on different parts. In one very shortened version of an Anishinaabe creation story that, that I hold very dear to me that uh, kind of rules a, a lot of the way that I, I work and a lot of my understanding stems from this. So uh, I'll just share that really quickly. Bear in mind this is a very short version. Um, so first, uh, the first beings were the mineral beings, the stone beings. Um, the creator gave the stone beings, the mineral beings, a great gift 
one to care for. So they were the standing beings, the fungi, the plants, the trees. And the standing beings were given a gift to care for, as the winged, the finned, the four-legged, and the crawling beings. Coyote was among them. Coyote was a guardian and kept an eye on things for Creator. Creator would come to walk with Coyote and ask how things were going, and if everyone was doing their part and looking after their younger brothers and sisters. Coyote would tell Creator about everything that was going on, and he felt great when Creator walked with him. Eventually, Creator would go, and Coyote's joy from walking with Creator would fade away. The next time Creator came, Coyote asked Creator, Creator, I feel so great when walking beside you, but when you leave, I'm left with no one to walk beside, no one to look out for. Can you stay? Creator pondered this for a moment and then called everyone to listen. I will give one final gift. All of you must care for this gift and it will be fragile in many ways. But it will be great in other ways and this gift must also care for you all and will have the power to act on my behalf in this place. Then came the two-legged beings, mankind. Coyote walked beside mankind and kept us company, helped us remain connected to the world around us and all of the beings that came before us. Our elder brothers and sisters who give themselves, give of themselves to care for us, we too are meant to give of ourselves to care for them. So to me, this story explains how all life is sacred, how all life is connected, and why the medicines, whether they are mineral, fungal, plant, animal, or other, are all willing to look out for us, as well as illustrating our responsibilities to them. So something important to understand, at least for me, is working with that working with the medicine isn't just a simple matter of drinking an herbal tea now and then, or even knowing which medicine is good for what. <coughs> Excuse me. Not even knowing how to make teas or infusions, decoctions, syrups, salves, balms, or oils. Those, those things are all useful parts of it, but that's not the beginning nor the end of this path. It's not, that's not the medicine path. Those are just little parts of it. So uh, it starts with simpler things than all of that. It starts from a quiet place within you. It starts from simply understanding that we're not just our physical body. We're not just our mind. We're not just our emotional body or our spirit or even our social aspects. Those things are all a part of it, a part of the holistic balance of the self. But even that is still only a part of the picture. All things are connected. All beings, all places, all life is connected, interwoven like the strands of a spider's web. We're connected, you and I. All of you who are listening now, we're all connected to one another and to everything else. Um, you may be familiar with talk about the four winds and the medicine wheel. Um, so the four winds are just the cardinal directions of this plane. They're, uh, they're the places that, that certain types of medicine reside. But uh, there's also the upper and the lower worlds, that which is above us, that which is below us, as well as that which is within us. The seven directions, I'll do a... I'll do an episode just on the seven directions later on. Um, so our outer world affects our inner world, and our inner world affects our outer world. It's all reflections of what's going on in the universe, and if we don't work on keeping our inner world and our outer world, as well as our mind and heart aligned with one another, a plant won't save you. We need to know that our first medicine is ourself. Our primary healer is ourself. No other medicine can heal you if you aren't in a state of reasonable balance. It doesn't mean that they can't help, but they can't stop you from doing what brought you to unbalance. They can't make you change your habits. They can't go through your lesson for you and hand you the gift of being healed if you're not willing to do the work. So when we harvest anything from nature, we acknowledge our connection and our responsibility to it. 
It doesn't matter what it is. It's a part of us. It's a part of our lineage, a part of our identity, a part of our sacred circle. Whether we're taking something for food, for shelter, for medicine, for tools, it becomes sacred when we acknowledge that connection. Harvest in a sacred manner and take only what is needed. We humans are not the only beings that are conscious, vital parts of the collective. In my tradition, everything is conscious and vital and integral to everything else. We're all connected, and just because we don't comprehend or even perceive the consciousness or intelligence of other types of beings, that certainly does not mean that we are more conscious or more intelligent than they are. In fact, I believe it means the opposite. We are, in my understanding, far less aware than a stone is or a tree is. After all, who's been here longer? The stones and the trees. Who's had to change and adapt and rely on other beings more? Certainly not the stones and the trees, but us, us humans, us two-leggeds. We're the ones who constantly have to change, the ones that rely on all other beings for our survival. My point is, this connection is sacred, and it comes with a responsibility and requires restraint, compassion, and acknowledgement of that connection. Especially when we take from those who came before us, which is literally every other being. There's medicine and everything from within our soul to how we behave, what we put out in intention and action, as well as what we eat, what we carry, what we hold sacred, and the stones and the land, the fungi, the plants, the animals, symbolism, laughter, laughter is big medicine, spoken word, artwork, music, everything. Medicine can be utilized by anyone and it can be abused, it can be mistreated, it can be manipulated for many different purposes. All medicine has balance and can be equally used for good or bad. Toxic plants and fungi or even venomous creatures are often researched or even proven to be some of the most potent medicines discovered. Uh, one example in the animal kingdom is the, snow, the, the cone snail. The cone snail has some of the most potent venom that exists and it's currently being researched as a cure for cancer and potentially even autoimmune deficiencies. Um, in the plant kingdom, here's one, Datura shamontium, sorry, Datura jimson weed, Jamestown weed, um, thorn apple. It's loaded with tropane alkaloids. Deaths have been recorded from a single use. However, it, for one, is an ancient entheogenic plant that's been used all across the northern hemisphere for thousands of years to commune with the spirits. But even now, today, it's currently showing promise as a cure for COVID-19. It's being researched right now. Um, so it's, it's, you know, even though it's deadly, potentially deadly, it's still, um, it's potentially a great cure. My point here is to illustrate that medicine is balanced in all things. Even if we can't see the balance, the ability to heal is the ability to harm. The ability to harm is the ability to heal. It's all connected. Cures manifest at the same time that illnesses do, and vice versa. I was taught growing up that there is no such thing as poison, just incorrect usage and incorrect dosage. Too much of anything is harmful, not enough of anything is harmful. We can literally overdose on water, which is vital for life. Now remember, the medicines are sacred and they have their own consciousness. They're beings, not things. Treat them as sacred medicines and not as a way to be in the New Age trendiness. You don't need to go and gather a bunch of white sage because smudging is popular. You know, there's, there's lots of different ways to connect and, and things like that.
So there's many different practices around the world, and there's a fine line between learning from other cultures and appropriating or prostituting those very teachings and medicines. To stay on the right side of that line, it's pretty simple. Treat it with respect, honor the medicines and the teachings, and don't ad-lib. Don't make things up as you go. Understand where that teaching comes from and why it's done in particular ways. The medicines don't belong to any one person or any one culture, but there are traditional keepers of sacred things, medicines, teachings, etc. If you don't have a good understanding, there's no shame in gifting an offering to an elder from that tradition who knows and asking for the actual teachings around it. There's no shame in asking. Real elders understand that they are caretakers and stewards of the teachings and the medicines, and they're happy to share with those who have genuine desire to learn for the right reasons and functional ears to hear and eyes to see the truth. There's a difference between elders and old people. Everyone deserves respect, but not everyone's an elder. So looking back at the early days of learning about medicine, I remember being at the cultural center. Um, remember uh, a couple of the elders, I, I was um, keeping fire on the sweat lodge, and uh, I remember a couple of the elders talking with this other elder from another reservation about his illness. I don't recall now what his illness was. But I, uh, I was keeping the fire, keeping quiet, doing my part, just listening, tending the fire. That was my role. One of the elders suggested that it would be good to use a plant that's called horse mint in English. Um, I've since learned it's also known as spotted bee palm. It's from the genus Monarda. It's in the family Lamiaceae, and its botanical name is Mentha longifolia. I didn't know any of that at the time, other than that it was just called horse mint. Uh, I did know where a patch was growing, however. Earlier that week, I was helping repatriate remains at our tribe's repatriation cemetery, where we reburied the bones of ancestors who were once on display at museums. One of the elders that was in charge of that ceremony was a man who worked with plant medicines quite a lot, and I was always close to him. He pointed out these rich-smelling purple flowers and said, That's horsemen. It's a strong medicine. If you ever need to find it, check for that square stalk. Most plants with a square stalk are good medicine. So I approached the plant and I, I felt the stalk, and to my surprise, the stalk of it was square, um, which I found really odd at the time. It seems like commonplace now. Um, so I asked him, how do you know that plants with a square stalk are usually good medicine? He looked up at the clouds, and he looked back at the horsemen, and then finally he looked back at me and he cleared his throat. He said, the square stalk has four sides, just like we do. Physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Besides, that's what my grandma told me, that these plants for the square stalk are usually good. Anyway, while sitting around the fire, attending the fire, and listening to these elders talk about uh, horsemen, I'm remembering earlier in the week learning about horsemen. And uh, they're talking about how they'd like to bring some horsemen into the lodge, so I spoke up and I said I knew where to find some horsemen not far away. One of the uncles that was there asked me, well, how do you know about horsemen? So I repeated what was what I was told about it and offered to go get it if someone could watch a fire for a while. I was so excited to be able to help and show that I knew something useful. One of the elders agreed to fire keep for me if I hurried. So the cemetery was more than two country blocks away across the res. So uh, I ran through the woods, I ran across the road, down a dirt bike trail, and all the way to the campgrounds and up to the cemetery, stopping at the gate to catch my breath just a moment before dusk. The light's starting to change. 
Finally, I found a patch of horse meat, and I offered my tobacco, as is our way. We offer tobacco first before we take anything. I carefully cut a bouquet of the horse mint, realizing then I don't know which part of the plant they actually want. Do they want the flowers, the leaves, the root, the whole thing? So I froze for a minute and considered the options and then decided I better pull some more out whole. So I pulled a bunch of plants out and uh, I began my run back to the sweat lodge. Uh, when I got there, they were looking at me with amusement. They praised me for bringing back the right plant but told me that I took a lot more than what was needed, even though the rest could be dried and used later. A few days later, up at the cultural center, a local medicine woman was there. Uh, she was sitting with some women from her class. She used to teach traditional herbalism. She was asking if anybody knew what happened to the patch of horse meat that was up at the cemetery, explaining how she carefully cultivated that patch, and she was always careful to harvest it in a way that encouraged more to grow and that someone had obviously butchered a large section of it. Oh man, did I shrink to the size of a mouse right there and then. I didn't know what to do, I didn't know how to react, if I should say something. Um, at that moment, the uncle that encouraged me to go and get it spoke up and he said that he sent one of the boys to go look for horsemen, and that he would teach the young man how to harvest medicines properly. Still, I raised my hand, tears welling up in my eyes, feeling like a total scumbag about 13 years old at the time. I cut and I ripped out the horsemen. I was trying to get some for the elder that was here for lodge a few days ago. I didn't know I was hurting the medicines. What can I do to fix it? Tears running down my face at that point. The medicine woman who asked just laughed and gave me such a warm smile. She came over and said, you'll be a great medicine man one day. Dry your tears and come with me. So, uh, she walked out of the building, out to her car, and stood there waiting for me. I uh, kind of sobbed for a moment and then walked out and got in the car with her. And uh, she drove us up to the cemetery. She told me more about horse mint and she showed me how to cut it, how it grows, why it grows in places like that. She showed me how to tell where the medicine is strongest in the planet at different times of the year. I apologized and held out a tobacco tie. Um, I asked if I could learn from her. She smiled that same warm smile from earlier, and she said, If you weren't learning from me right now, then I don't know what to tell you. And she just laughed. She told me that I already had teachers, elders who I was with all the time. She said, Nobody can decide if you can learn from them or not, really. It's better to ask yourself, What can I learn from this person, or from this plant, or from this animal, or from this stone? That was the first and the last time I had a conversation with her. She had lots of students, actually, and uh, she was teaching for the tribal college at the time. But she was right. I was never short of elders to learn from. And the uncle that spoke up for me uh, took me under his wing after that. And uh, me ripping out entire fields of horse mint became a very exaggerated joke around the community. So, um, yeah. Uh, like I said, totally new to podcasts. And we're at about... 23 minutes. I don't know how long a first podcast should be. I don't want to go too long here. So um, we'll, we'll wrap it up and bring it to a close. I hope you enjoyed this this first episode. Please uh, please leave some, leave some comments. Give me some feedback. Send me an email if you've got any questions or anything like that. Uh, topic ideas. I've got a pretty big list of topic ideas and things to talk about. So um, yeah, I'll do try and do some questions and answers and stuff like that.
Um, we're looking at doing some interviews in the future with some other people who work with medicines in different ways. Um, we'll go through and talk about some of the plants that I grow, um, some of the medicines that I work with um, from the plant kingdom. Um, talk a little bit about fungi, we'll talk a little bit about stones, um, different things like that. Um, some of the tools that I use, some of the, some of the different things that I make. Um, yeah, so, uh, also I, uh, don't know if I mentioned this earlier, I don't think that I did, but, uh, you may notice that my accent is a little bit odd. Um, my accent will change when I talk about different things. I've, uh, I've always kind of had this condition, um, sort of, sort of a subconscious thing that's, I've, I've started to identify it now. I can see it when it's happening, but, uh, I left home. Uh, when I was just about to turn 20, I came out here to Aotearoa from New Zealand, and um, I guess my my accent sort of started to blend in with the with the accent here in Aotearoa, um, and now it's kind of sometimes I sound more American, sometimes I sound more Native American, sometimes I sound more Maori or more Kiwi. Uh, my accent sort of changes depending on what I'm talking about or who I'm talking to. Um, sort of a weird little thing, but you may notice that. So I've lived out here in Aotearoa, New Zealand for uh, about oh, nearly 15 years now. Um, I'm married into Te Ao Māori, the Māori world. My children are Māori. Um, sorry, I bumped my mic there. Um, so yeah, I, I am influenced also by Rungwa Māori and, and Te Ao Māori because I live in Māori lands and uh, I honor the indigenous ways and the indigenous teachings of the land that I live in. And um, yeah, so I've also got influences across North, Central and South America and um, some European influences and uh, very, very connected to some of the Druidic teachings and, and uh, Scandinavian, Northern European, heathen teachings and things like that. And uh, one thing that I'm very passionate about is looking at the core teachings that unite different cultures across the world. So uh, anyway, with that, um, I think I'll, I'll conclude this episode. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for bearing with my inexperience. I will get better at this in time. Um, especially if you guys give me some feedback. So thank you very much. Bama pimi mwakuwa mimi.